Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Oh, man. Looking at the COVID numbers, it's quite scary. And uh, working with different clients at different places in their lives around holiday time, COVID, mental health, children. Pressure's up there, y'all. But, uh trying to help you get through this. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot as more holidays come forward, how to kind of, you know, plan for that perspectives and narratives to have around it. So as to make it, you know, different, but still meaningful question of the night as always is up on our love line IG page. So head on over there and, uh, answer that it's in the stories and then we're going to be doing some DMS, but, uh, we got a great show planned for you. One of the things we're going to talk about is, uh, worst desserts for the holiday. I know I don't often talk about, you know, kooky things like that, but every now and then I like to bring those things in, you know, what States are focused on what foods, what are the worst desserts? And uh, looking at the list, I was kind of shocked because some of my favorite desserts are on it, uh, including one of my least favorites. So in that respect, that list is accurate. So we're going to talk about that, um, as well as just how to deal with emotions and also ending unhealthy relationships. I know, you know, the end of the year is coming. People like to use that as a demarcating line to say, hey, what do I want to carry with me into the new year, right? Whether it's relationships or even just behaviors. It's kind of what I like people to do when the new year comes. And we'll talk more about that as the time gets closer. But um, how do you want the new year to be? That's something that one of my friends said to me, really powerful when COVID started. He said, you know, this is going to be possibly going on for a long time. You're going to possibly have a lot of downtime where you're left with yourself, right? Because we don't have access to all the distractions and things we like to do. And he said to me um, that he had been working a lot on the meaning he wanted to make out of this time and also how he wanted to exit it. And I thought that's a good thing to do. And I've been doing that. What do I want COVID to mean for me? Uh, what do I want to leave it with? But also the whole year. It's been a rough year. How do you want to start the new year? It's, it's a way that we can kind of start over. It's a way that we can continue, but we get to kind of look back and say, how's this year been? What do we want to take forward? What do we want to leave behind? What changes do we want to make? In that way, I like it. You know, it's, it's a good starting point. Also, maybe a time to consider getting into therapy. You know, I know a lot of people are really roughing it right now. Whether things are doing well or things aren't doing so great, you could consider couples therapy, family therapy, individual therapy. Every single therapist I know is now offering teletherapy. And so you don't have to live as close to the office as you did before. I know a lot of clients prior thought, gosh, I have to think about traffic patterns, time before and after transit. 
now you can live anywhere in the state, you know, the reach is wide. And so I'm able to work with people, you know, I'm here licensed in California, but I'm able to work with people that are up in San Francisco, all the way down to San Diego and therapy. And for people that aren't even in California, we're able to offer coaching, which isn't therapy because we can only do therapy in the state that we're licensed in, but we can still do coaching and psychoeducation. And that can be very helpful and meaningful. I'm doing that with a lot of people, people that are wanting to just check in on different things. But again, maybe start the new year off getting into therapy, maybe start the new year off looking at some form of sobriety, getting in involved in that, that can be very powerful. We're leaving this year with some bad habits that we either already had or picked up during COVID, <laughs> you know, so maybe do, you know, do a little reflecting, look back, but, um, again, planning for the holidays, they're going to be different this year. That doesn't mean bad, broken or canceled, but, uh, dress up, celebrate, play the music, cook, but get on it soon because the stores are going to get crowded. So go out now, get the food you want to have in the house, whatever you need to have the numbers COVID have spiked. So again, we're trying to just be thoughtful and prepared. Um, it's going to be okay. You know, maybe use it as a time to get really introspective and to go deeper reading materials, journaling, um, active imagination, which is this process where you just kind of walk around and talk to yourself and imagine who you want to be and how you want to be. And as always, look, I'm always holding space for those dating apps. I'm working with a multitude of clients that are saying they feel lonely and they love some companionship, some joy, some excitement in their life. So please don't rule it out. We're not going on the standard dates we would have gone on, but again, I want people to feel connected to. So that brings me to my final point, which is please reach out and connect and check in on people. The holidays traditionally already can bring a lot of isolation and depression for people. Now add to that COVID and the individuals that have been just isolating to high, high, high levels and election stress, check in on people, even the people, or more importantly, those that you always seem to, those that seem to be so strong and have it so together. It means a lot. And again, I get to have that shared with me, how important it was to them to hear from people. You might be the only person that reaches out to them that day or that week or that month. Be that person for someone, you know? So um, check in on people, keep up with them, give them a call, give them a FaceTime, send them a picture, send them a text. It means a lot. But uh, consider getting on those apps, consider getting into some therapy, you know? That's the one thing I love about the new year is you can choose to use it as a time to engage in some newer or better behaviors. You can also start doing that now. Some people are taking a lot of time off for the holidays. The ones that are coming right now or down the road, maybe start to decide how you want that to be, you know, build that in. Um, yeah, we've got to look out for ourselves, but more importantly, I want us to make sure we're always looking out for those around us, you know? All right, y'all checking on the question night, which as always, as I said, is up on our Loveline IG page. And coming up next, we're going to talk about schoolcations. Oh yeah, that's right. Education meets staycation meets vacation. What happens when you bring that trifecta together? Stick around and find out. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, my gosh, so interesting. Whenever there's something new that happens, that's a really, you know, uh, impactful uh, you know, really kind of shakes culture up. We have a lot of new terms, a lot of new concepts on Loveline. I'm always, always, always talking about what we call neologisms, which basically is just a fancy word for new words and, uh, always talking about them in terms of dating, right? Uh, God bless dating. 
and uh, hookup culture is definitely giving us a lot of new concepts and terms and things to worry about. Usually, usually they skew more towards the negative. But um, one of the newer ones is something called schoolcations. Now that's more COVID-based. And basically it's a study that was looking at what a lot of families are doing. Now, of course, there's a lot of privilege rooted in the ability to do this. But a schoolcation is uh, families that are packing up and saying, look, school's being done virtually, either because the, the state has mandated that or the school itself, or because the family said, um, yeah, we're not sending our kids there. So they're packing up the family and saying, we're going to go and do school from a remote place. We're going to get out of town, get out of the city and go somewhere else. Now, those that have the means and ability to do that, hey, that's kind of phenomenal. I wish as a kid we had had the option. I mean, let me think back. Actually, when I was a child, we didn't have internet. Now, this is going to blow some people's minds, but I was uh, in my teen years when the internet first launched. So I remember life pre-internet and I remember life uh, obviously with it, but uh, I remember life pre-cell phone when we had landlines, but I wish we had had the ability to do some tele-learning. So schoolcations are people that are like, look, we're packing it up, we're taking it on the road, we're getting out of town. What a stunning, stunning, stunning thing to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? For those that have the ability to do that. But that actually becomes somewhat of an odd segue into our uh, true topic of the segment. And uh, it's about emotional flooding. And basically the, uh, the segue is about going, leaving, extricating yourself. You know, one of the most relationship saving things you can do sometimes is when you realize that you're dysregulated and being dysregulated means you're really struggling to kind of live from your ethics and your value system, right? You kind of get this internal feeling that I, I don't trust how I'm going to respond. Dysregulation is that space when you feel brewing in your body, which has always our body is the most honest communicator and barometer for how we're doing psychologically. You, and, that, and that's what people have to do when they become really mentally healthy individuals is they can feel the shift in their body, which is often the first signal, whoa, I need to either breathe, I either need to calm down, or if I can't do that, I need to step away. And remember that we don't want anyone to ever feel abandoned when you need to step away. So again, schoolcation is when you're packing up the family and you're just getting out of town. But when you're in a relationship, you want to make sure that if you have to step away to regulate because you don't trust or feel confident in how you're going to react or how you're going to talk to someone, the way you make sure that they don't feel abandoned is you let them know where you're going and where, uh, excuse me, you let them know where you're going and when you'll come back. So it's, hey, honey, I, I, I'm this conversation or this fight, it's beyond what I can manage. I don't like how I'm acting. I don't like how I'm speaking. And also notice that I'm talking about us being aware of ourselves. We're not, we're not, you know, putting this on the other person. We're always tracking ourselves because a healthy person steps away when they realize that they aren't going to be acting the way they want to see themselves acting. And you say, I'm going to be going down the street to the coffee shop. I'll be back in an hour. Because if you just bolt, you're, you're in, emotionally and psychologically abandoning abandoning your partner. And both that's unfair. It doesn't make someone feel safe or trust you, but it can also really open up and trigger people's traumas uh, from the past. So we want to be very thoughtful about that because again, we don't want to make things bigger than they have to be, especially in times like the pandemic when, you know, again, everyone's kind of doing the best they can and things are definitely more amplified and People don't have access to their normal coping mechanisms or outlets. 
But um, now when we, we talk about that, really powerful. And that's something also to model for your children, that it's okay to step away. It's okay to come back to something, but you do it lovingly, right? And then the co, co piece to that is also the sense of just flooding, where if you have emotion that you can't even control, well, my gosh, if you express that to your child, to your loved one, to your colleague, whatever it is, um, what makes you think that they're going to be able to? And so we always want to make sure that we're not flooding people, which means to just vomit emotion on them, overwhelm them, just kind of let it rip, let it all out. That's not healthy. That's not fair. That's also just not kind. And so if you need to step away, great, do that. Sometimes you need to keep coming back and forth. And I've said this before, some couples, they only talk about certain topics in my office because they don't trust themselves to unpack it on their own. Or some topics, we come in and out of it and it takes months for us to fully really get through it because we're constantly stopping to regulate or taking a break. But the whole concept of flooding is you don't want to bury your partner in undigested material. And so it's about stopping, pausing, and stepping away or going to really do a little processing of it on your own first, maybe with someone you trust, but maybe not. But again, it's called just being relational, which means I want to really deal with things in a way that makes it safe for us to stay connected and to continue to process. Um, you know, when you can, the goal is at some point to just be able to do it in a few seconds within your body. But some people need to literally remove themselves, um, to really bring them down themselves down to a place where they can honestly engage someone in a safe way. But again, it's that body checking in with your body. We can always feel that shift happening. Our body will always let us know, uh, where we are psychologically and how safe we are to be related to. Cause again, it's always about us tracking ourselves. Am I safe for my partner to stay or my friend to stay close and connected to me right now? Or do I need to, again, go do some work on that and step away? So man, I know relationships are work. So is mental health, but we gotta do it. You know, we don't want to ruin all the relationships that, um, are in our lives. And some people do that sadly, always blaming the other, you know, totally unaware of the impact that they're having or what they're bringing in or, how they're contributing because it's a feedback loop, right? Even if our partner is the main issue, they're still responding to what we're bringing in or how we're responding. And so that's how we always have control of that cycle, especially if you're a parent, you know, our children aren't supposed to know how to regulate. They look to the parent and uh, when the children are at their worst, the parents need to be at their best. Same thing when you're in a loving romantic relationship. Uh, question of the night, as always, that is up on our Loveland IG page. So uh, swing by and check that out. And uh, DMs, we'll be sliding into them. But of course, we're moving towards holiday season, right? And uh, we're going to be talking about the worst holiday desserts. Oh, yeah. An expert took the time to rank the worst holiday desserts. Don't want to be that person. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, every now and then, I like to do, you know, quirky segments, especially ones related to food. <laughs> I'm a secret foodie. I really am. Don't like making it. Don't like baking, but I like eating it. I like having it delivered even more. I know. That's what's that's one of the gifts of COVID, not feeling bad about having food delivered, especially because restaurants really need our support. And please make sure you are getting food from the uh, local mom and pop shops. They need our help the most. The corporations, they'll be doing fine. But worry about the local businesses, the small businesses, always. And if you can buy from black or uh, people of color businesses, amazing. Queer businesses, also amazing. But uh, please buy locally. All right, so now uh, the worst holiday desserts ranked. Oh, some of these things, when I was looking at it, I was like, I don't even know what that is. Or like, who ugh, who would eat that? But some of them are just like really holiday specific, so you expect to see it, even if no one eats it. You know how there's those desserts where it's like, it's just expected to be, that's how I always felt about pecan pie. Never, ever have I tried it. 
never sounded good to me, but yet somehow always there, expected to kind of be there. You know what I mean? It just, you didn't, it didn't feel like a holiday without that, that ugly, ugly, ugly pie. And sorry to those that love pecan pie. I never got it. I just never got it. Uh, okay. So the uh, worst fruits, I'm sorry, the worst desserts, they're fruit-based. That's why I'm looking at that. That's why I'm saying that. Uh, okay. So number 10, fancy fruit, like gold pears or chocolate oranges. Again, always saw them around at times, the uh, holiday times, a chocolate orange. Why? Why? Never liked fruit dipped in chocolate. Never, 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 never. Although I know it's romantic for many, especially Valentine's Day, right? Chocolate covered strawberries. We get it. We know. But uh, gold pears. I do like pears. So I'm down with that one. But that's number 10. So it's not like the worst offender of all the desserts. So eh, don't bring it. But you know, uh, ready for this one? A cranberry sauce brick. Now cranberry sauce, I'm not mad at, but a, a cranberry sauce brick. I, I'm looking at a photo of it. What? Why? How does that happen? Who who does that? Uh, yeah, not so good. Also, popcorn tins. How is that a word? That's a, an amazing dessert. Why is that bad? Like, I'm I'm not digging any deeper than just the list, but like, that's not so bad. And then they have on here candy canes. How is that bad? There, you can't have the holiday season without candy canes everywhere. I'm not mad at that one. Uh, but the, the, the cranberry sauce brick, yeah, I don't get it. Gingerbread men, why? Why is that a worse dessert? I think gingerbread men are delicious. Again, what is Christmas time or holiday time, depending on what you celebrate, without a gingerbread house or a gingerbread man? I guess many many families don't engage in that, but like for me, that is iconic. That is mandatory. Some people, it's upsetting. Again, this expert put it on the list. Um, ambrosia. Okay, so here we go. Now, now we're really getting into the ones that I just do not understand. Ambrosia salad. Looking at pictures of it, never 100% understood what was going on in there. It's marshmallows, it's some fruit, heavy cream, and uh, it's the number five worst dessert to bring to a party. I get it. I never, ever understood it. Maybe make it boozy. A boozy ambrosia salad, maybe that's far better, but um, just really funky, strange looking marshmallows. I get it. Then we move on to jello salad. Yeah, equally as gross. I think jello salad and ambrosia salad are like twins, you know what I mean? Fraternal though. You know, not identical, but equally as bizarre looking. It reminds me actually of um, the COVID. When you look at a picture of the COVID virus, I think of those two things. I know, not appetizing, but like, what are you gonna do? Okay, then sugar cookies. How are sugar cookies the number three worst dessert? Again, love them. Again, I expect them. And also there's something really beautiful, the holidays making cookies together and decorating them, just like the gingerbread thing. I do not understand this list. Number two worst dessert, ready for this one? Pumpkin pie. That is one of my all-time favorite desserts, followed by apple pie, of course. How is pumpkin pie the number two worst dessert? I don't get it. Uh, they, the, the, the expert here says that uh, it's the worst offender, uh, especially when served without necessary accoutrements like pecan, caramel, ice cream, and other whipped toppings. Don't get it. But um, here's the number one, as they say, the most heinous dessert iteration, the panettone. Am I saying that right? I don't even know what that is. It looks so dry. Um, but that is the number one worst. And, and actually it's a bland fruit cake. They say never got into that. So these are the things you don't want to bring with you. But again, remember the holiday season this year, it is going to be so creative and diversified because we're all, we're just like getting through it. 
that uh, the fact that you might even have a dessert, I think is phenomenal because a lot of people are going to be spending it on their own. So that's why I keep recommending like have the foods, play the music, dress up a little bit, still decorate. You know what I mean? Do whatever you got to do, but do it soon because everyone's going to be out there doing the mad last minute holiday rush. And with COVID numbers spiking as high as they have, um, be very thoughtful, plan ahead of time, maybe have it delivered. But um, I'm okay with the sugar cookies. I'm okay with the pumpkin pie. I'm okay with the gingerbread man. But all those weird jello salad things, I never quite got it. Really did it. Um, all right, question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. And then we're going to be sliding into those DMs. But again, remember, it's your holiday. You do whatever you need to do. No shame in whatever it is. Some people are feeling bad about even putting trees up this year. Yeah, still do it. Go all the way. Um, all right, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Oh, Rachel, we're back and uh, lots of news. That's bad. We were talking yesterday about a judge, of course, appointed by Trump who hates gay people. Well, the judge shot down a ban on conversion therapy, basically supporting suicidality because that's what happens to most individuals that go through conversion therapy, AKA trying to make someone gay straight. What, what is so important or special about straightness that gay people need to do it? Like that's so bizarre. Well, here's some more bad news. Texas, which is very Republican, very Christian, and very homophobic, the education board, uh, Texas education board is one of the strictest. They've approved new sex ed policy and it does not include nor cover LGBTQ students or even the topic of consent. First off, let's start with the consent part. Why would you not want sex ed to include discussions around consent and what violations around that look like? What is that about? That is to support toxic masculinity. You are supporting misogyny. You're supporting rape. You are literally directly supporting rape by not including discussions around consent. Why would you not? Why would you not want to include students learning how to have ethical, healthy sex that's rooted in compassion? And leaving out gay students. Gay students exist. Gay students have gay sex. It is so offensive to me as a sex educator and a sex therapist and as a psychologist and as a person on this planet to hear that not everyone's included in a curriculum. Gay people exist, whether you support it or not, they exist. It's time to realize that, you know what I mean? And they have a right to have good education around sexuality. So this is, uh, this is hurtful. This is hurtful. This is bad. This is bad. So that really falls on those students having access to people like myself and others that include everyone. Um, so I'm glad Loveline and other platforms like mine exist. It's it's so offensive and gross. Uh, question of the night is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. It's in the stories. But right now, let's go into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore confidence, please, especially right now. Here we go. Uh, a sliding in the DMs question brought up after yesterday's attachment talk. I've been dating a guy long distance since February. Oh, you sound like me. I've been dating someone long distance since February as well. Actually, no, I don't know why I just said that since last year. Uh, feels like... Uh, here you go. This is your question. <laughs> I'm not going to hijack it. We were metamors who bonded quickly through a triad that then became poly breakup right before lockdown in March. Okay, this is a lot to hold in my brain. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. We've been continuing to see each other. We text every day, but haven't connected in person since Labor Day. 
what was Labor Day? Was that August or September? Sorry, too many things thrown in here. With COVID cases rising in both our states. I don't know when we'll see each other next. He's wonderful. He intends to move here next year. That excites me. But the idea of moving in together after dating for what will be a year and only four visits and going from long distance to cohabitation so quickly terrifies me. I know my own fearful avoidant attachment styles inform some of this. If I were moving to him, I'd think I'd want my own place. So here's my question. Number one, how do I make clear I do want to move forward in our relationship, but at a slower pace? And number two, besides reading and therapy, any advice on earning secure attachment? Okay, this is good. So basically what this individual is saying, there's this person, long distance, so we haven't gotten to see each other that often since the beginning of COVID. He wants to move here and move in with me. Uh, I, this is the person speaking, tends to be a little avoidant. Here's the thing. You should be nervous. After only seeing, having four visits, I think when they move here, they shouldn't move in with you. I think they should move here and move into their own place and you should see what it's like to date in the same city for at least however long you feel comfortable, but I don't think they should move in with you. I do think that's a very intense form of closeness after having had so much distance and you need to explore what's our relationship like in terms of just daily life. How do we, are we compatible in terms of how we spend our weekends and our daily weeks? I do think it's a bad idea to go from zero to 100. That can be very overwhelming and it might not give your, your relationship the needed time and energy to really explore what's possible. So that, I think that's a bad idea. And I want this person to be mature enough to understand that. And that's how you present it. I care enough about you and us that I want to give it its best shot. But I just feel like that is an overwhelming jump, having not gotten to spend time with you. And so I want you to move here and I'll help you find a place. But let's live together in the same city for a while and just date and see what that feels like. Because to just immediately cohabitate is overwhelming. And that feeling overwhelming is not about your attachment style. I think that that's understandable. I think most people would would relate to that. And to rush into living together, I think would be born out of anxiety, actually. You know what I mean? Just feeling insecure or not trusting. And um, so you have to be honest about that. Uh, But let him know that it's in service of giving the relationship and him the best shot. Like this is in service of eventually living together. But to move right in together, oof, overwhelming. I, I so relate to that. And then besides therapy and reading, how do you earn better attachment? That's about it. Practicing it. I mean, I kind of feel like your question is, how do I like fast track it? It's like, you don't. It's something you're always practicing. You learn what secure attachment looks like and you try to practice it. You learn what your you know, avoidant tendencies look like by reading and journaling and therapy. And then you practice being better than that. That's it. You know, mental health is, is about a journey. Mental health isn't a destination. And people be like, I'm depressed. How do I not be depressed anymore? And it's like, I don't know. But what I can tell you is what the process of learning how to manage depression, get confident within it, finding ways to maybe reduce it at times. But therapy is a journey. It's a process. It's not a destination. You don't conquer attachment style. You don't conquer, you know, depression or anxiety. You learn how to manage it. These are these are built into us. So yeah, therapy, reading, and writing is is the best we got, you know. Uh, but yet, the value of that transformative experience. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about relationships and question of the night. As always, is up on our Level Energy page in the stories. So weigh in on that. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. All right, we're back talking about emotions. Yep. Oh man, it's so gendered. I, ah, oh, geez, I was watching. Uh, it was like a lecture. And they showed they showed a uh, clip of this study that they did where they had a couple different teachers. Um, 
this was videotaped and they talked to the children. These were grade school children. I think they were anywhere from, gosh, first grade to like fourth. And they were asking them, what emotions is it uh, okay for women to feel, for girls to feel? And they, they, they had different emotions written on the board and they had a box. And they're like, you know, here's, put in this box the emotions that girls can feel. Basically, they're fi- allowed to feel almost all of them. What was interesting is when they said, what emotions can guys feel? Men were not in the children's minds allowed to feel any of the emotions that would have gone under something more vulnerable or soft. And it was really heartbreaking to see that, that the ones that they agreed on are men are allowed to feel angry, frustrated, and all these different emotions that fell under aggression. And that's something that they're raised believing and socialized in the thinking. We see it in television and also in the early family unit. And so anyone that's male identified really has to do the work, Sally as an adult, to unlearn that. And I see it in the couples coming into my practice where a lot of the people that are female identified are looking for and wanting their partners to be, if they're male, more vulnerable, more sensitive. But, you know, again, think about it. Even in early childhood, girls are, are, are socialized to play games that are face-to-face and involved conversation where boys are thrown out there to play sports, which are always side-by-side and not very much rooted in conversation and vulnerability. Look at the kids, you know, girls playing a playground, very face-to-face, boys side-by-side, very competitive. And it's all about toughness. And I see parents reinforcing on that all the time. You're fine, get up. And we see that in other studies where parents will be a lot gentler and softer with babies when they find out that they're um, of the sex that would be raised, you know, in the female gender. And it's really disappointing. So how do we raise boys to feel more comfortable with their emotions, right? That's kind of the big global question that we all need to work on. First one is we just need to be able to talk about it. They need role models. So if you're a male out in the culture, talk about emotions. That's why I talk about all the time about me being sad, about me wanting to cry more, cry more in public. Such a radical act for myself as a male to be seen being emotional, right? It's seen as fragile. That's good. Fragility is okay. So it's all about modeling that. But we also want to talk about it, right? Because men often live with the pressure of feeling as though they need to be confident and in control at all times. And that leaves no room for anything vulnerable or anything that's an emotion that's difficult, right? Um, And so we want to be more emotionally honest. And that also goes back to the whole idea that we need to stop framing emotions as good or bad. There's no bad emotions. Mental health, again, is about the ability to feel a full range of emotions, all of them, and to feel them all deeply and to confidently be able to feel all of them and to feel them all deeply. We need to stop sectioning them off as good or bad for boys or for girls. That does everyone a disservice because we all experience the same emotions, right? So we also want to acknowledge the challenges that boys boys face when trying to be vulnerable is that that's not going to be necessarily honored in the social world, but we need to, we need to model it. Modeling vulnerability is the key, Right? Boys, may, boys might not be able to follow that example without conversations about why expressing them is important. We have to normalize and talk about why that's meaningful, why that's helpful. Some people just think, again, that the purpose of life is to always be grounded, regulated, happy, and only feeling positive things. But that's not honest and that's not real. That also leads to a lot of trauma. But if you're in a relationship with someone like that, you don't always feel like you're with a total person or you don't feel like you're with someone that you can go to and share your struggles with some of the more vulnerable emotional expressions, right? And you also want to demonstrate that it's okay to ask for help. We have this American ideal that you should be able to do things on your own. No one achieves anything on their own. We always are doing it in some form of cooperation or with the help or support of others. This whole idea of being on your own is just not true, right? But again, we want to demonstrate that you can be vulnerable, that you can need help. We need to normalize that expressing fear or uncertainty, right, is okay. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. 
but we need to acknowledge where our own work is and where our own limits are. And that's why I try to call myself out when I personally feel like I'm shaming or shutting down an emotional experience. And I'll say, no, feel that. Feel it during a business meeting. It's okay to be in a business meeting and to be sad. I know that that is mind boggling for people in corporate culture because in some jobs in corporate culture, you're always supposed to be balanced. You're not supposed to cry or show sadness. I wanna live in a world where we can cry and show sadness. And that's not a sign that someone's weak or incompetent or not professional. I want, I want truth. I don't want professionalism. Professionalism's performative. It's robotic. It's dehumanizing. It's a lie. It's not healthy. I want people to be honest and authentic. That's the world we need to move towards. Not these false presentations of self in order to be acceptable, right? And that's why we all have work to do with how we are, how we are while others are trying to express themselves around us, the messages we give, what we shame, what we normalize. There's homophobia in there. Where I've heard people make references to someone who's very emotionally available or expressive as maybe they're gay or it's not seen as masculine. So now we have sexism and toxic masculinity showing up. It's such a bummer because think of how small how much smaller and limited your world is or someone's world is if they're not able to really truly be present and feel a full range of human experience. It's heartbreaking. So try to go out and just acknowledge when you're holding back and ask yourself why. What's making me hold this back? Try to acknowledge when you're limiting what you're feeling and ask yourself why. Do you want to continue to live by that? Try to go out and acknowledge when you're stopping others from fully feeling and being present with what they're feeling. That's how we, that's how we focus on mental health. Talking about it but also being a part of it. Oh, so much work to do around that. It's meaningful though. It's got a lot of value. You know, sadly people end up in my office decades, decades later wanting to do it, you know, seeing all the wreckage. Also not wanting to perpetuate that with their children, you know? Anyway, coming up next, we're gonna talk about the difference between chemistry and compatibility. It's a stumbling block that many get wrong and it leads to some problematic things in relationships. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about ending unhealthy relationship cycles. Look, it's the holidays. It's been a hard year. So I do appreciate that um, we're, we're, we're taking things easy, right? Dropping the bar a little bit, giving everyone a break. But, you know, again, how we're showing up in all of our different relationships, it, it, it still matters, right? Sometimes we can't unsay what we've said. We can't unhear what we heard. We still got to be loving. And for some people, you know, the holidays, the end of the year, moving into a new year, they really look back and they say, how's this year been? And I love that. I think all relationships yearly should kind of sit down and say, hey, how's the past year been? What do we need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? Should we progress together into a new year? You know? Um, not every relationship needs to move forward. Sometimes we realize it's not working or due to COVID, uh, what we thought was isn't. And uh, it's heartbreaking because maybe the relationship would have survived had COVID not happened. I don't know. But maybe the worst in you came out or the worst in your partner and we can't unsee or unknow what we saw. You know, it's times of conflict. I say that all the time. You really learn about, you know, relational health, sustainability, longevity, but also compatibility based on, what happens in times of conflict. Uh, conflict's gonna happen, right? Uh, relationships have that, and that's when we really show what we're made of, the, the, the people in the relationship, you know? So it counts. How you manage COVID really does matter. Again, I'm telling everyone, give it a little bit of a break, right-size it, but uh, it still matters and still counts. So some people are moving into the new year saying, look, I, I want something different, I want something better. So 
how do we get out of some of these cycles? Because some people are realizing, wow, I'm always finding myself in, in the same kinds of relationships. So the first thing you always got to do is just recognize what toxic and dysfunctional behavior looks like. Because I don't know that everyone does. And we talk about that on Loveline all the time. You know, what does it look like? What should the vision be that I should have? What should I be working towards? So you just got to first have a sense of what, what isn't good. And we talk a lot about what emotionally abusive or emotionally toxic behavior looks like, right? Um, not trusting each other. Be in relationships only with people that are worthy of trust. So you can practice really trusting and letting go, right? But um, if someone's name calling, putting you down, if you don't feel at your best when you're with them, if they kind of make your life smaller, that's not good. You want to be in a relationship with someone, regardless of whether or not it's romantic or sexual or just friendship. You want to be in relationships with people where you feel empowered. You feel like you expand, like your, wor your world is made bigger and better, right? So you have to have a sense of what it's supposed to feel like. And we see signs of this early on. You know, we really can. And if we really start to lead from our best in the beginning, we can really kind of flush out some bad behavior. Um, also just starting to set boundaries with yourself, right? About what you'll allow, what you won't allow. And relationships are flexible. So we can start to show up in a different way and see if our partner will grow with us. We don't always need to leave to have something healthier. We show up better and sometimes it brings out the better in them as well, but sometimes it doesn't, you know? But it's about just really being honest with yourself and, and looking at um, what, what you need to work on, what maybe they need to work on. But there is, uh, you know, remember our, our current relationship will always deal with the damage or trauma of our prior relationships. You know, it, it, it really triggers that. It brings that forth. And so we want to make sure we're doing some of that work on ourselves so that we're not dragging it all forward. We want to leave some of that behind. But in order to do that, we have to be our better self and we have to be in relationships with people that are their better selves so that we can really practice that, so that it's worth doing that. And so we really want to work on healing that underlying trauma and not keep acting it out on new people. Because sometimes our new partners are better, they are healthier, but we keep acting out the same issues, projecting it on them, bringing it forward, taking it from the past into the present. We don't want to do that. So you want to really always look back, who was I in these past relationships? What parts of myself? do I want to be aware of and not allow to uh, go forward with me? What parts of myself am I proud of and really feel good about that I do want to bring forward, right? And that's the beauty of prior relationships. When they end, you get through the heartache and then you say, who was I? And you do that really honest deep dive and look at who you were. And again, who you want to be again and who you don't want to be again. But that's part of healing that trauma. You don't want to just keep acting it out, right? And you want to keep trying to be better each time and better for the person whose live life you enter, right? Because every time we enter someone's life in any relational way, socially, romantically, sexually, um, we're gonna impact them and they're gonna impact us. It's never neutral, right? They remind us that we can trust ourselves and trust others and that the world is safe or quite the opposite. So we wanna always just be aware of like what we're bringing in because people are always responding to what we're contributing as well, right? But we also have to have a model for better relational skills. And we don't always have that on television or in our friends. So you have to be thoughtful about who you're going to for advice. I see in my patients some really bad advice that's given to them by their friends because their friends don't know any better because their friends aren't challenging um, those that are coming to them for advice to be better. They're not holding the bar high. They're letting them off the hook, supporting really bad behavior, toxic, toxic forms of relationship and monogamy, you know, um, advocating for them to be aggressive or advocating for them to really be emotionally abusive in what they're saying or the boundaries they're holding. And so be very thoughtful about who you're getting advice from and the impact that you're letting these outside people have on you and your relationship, you know? But I think 
one of the most valuable lessons is that you have to be willing to take risks. And what I mean by that is demand better and expect better, even if that means that the relationship doesn't go forward or doesn't have a lot of longevity. Sometimes leaving a relationship is the sign of success because you realize what was possible and what wasn't possible and you kind of really prioritize mental health. So leaving isn't failure. Sometimes again, it's a sign of success. Sometimes you have to be proud of the fact that you left, you know? Um, it's not always a bad thing, but uh, just each relationship you want to be better. That's really what I hold people accountable to or what I try to demand of them. Each time you're better, each time less severity, you know, each time more new behaviors and letting go of some of the old ones. That's all you can really expect. We're never going to be perfect. You know, it's never going to be a hundred percent, but we just want to make sure it's always improving because if not, then you're the problem. You know, you're staying the same and you're constantly enacting the same dysfunctional patterns and behaviors and negatively impacting everyone in the wake. You don't want to leave all these people behind you worse off, you know? It's tough stuff. Uh, question of the night, as always, is up on our Love and IG page and the stories coming up next. We're going to be uh, getting into that and then sliding into the DMs. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, I'm sharing with you guys all week just these horrible, horrible articles of how much homophobia still exists in our culture. Please, uh, <laughs> some people thought the gay rights movement was over because gay people got able to get, were able to get married. That is really not on the top list of what people that are gay identified are fighting for. The right to marry is really a privilege. People that have the finances, um, but people that are struggling to just, I don't know, get a job, have general respect, get good sex education in school, representation in film and media, find safe families, they don't care about getting married. Like gay marriage is a privilege. That should be something that like is so peripheral, but let's still try to resolve homophobia. There are still countries around the world where you are murdered, outright murdered for being gay. There are places where you can't have any rights. And we have judges that are still supporting conversion therapy. And here's another story. I wasn't aware of this. You know the uh, actor Ryan Felipe, which the younger generations have no clue who he was. He was a, kind of a big deal when I was a kid. He did an early gay role in his career. And he says that he was shunned by his own parents over just playing the role. That's how much homophobia still exists. Trans actors are still not allowed to play non-trans roles. Gay actors come out and then they're no longer seen as able to play straight. We still have so much work to do. I, I'm saddened to think that some people don't think that there's still homophobia going around. Um, there's we we have we have to have to have to have to still track this stuff. You know, people still get away with making gay jokes. I saw it coming out with even during the Trump administration when people were trying to slam him, they would body shame, talk about his weight, talk about his, you know, what they think his penis size is like, and these gay jokes between him and Putin. And it's like, that's homophobia. That's body shame. That's not what we're talking about or trying to do here, you know? Um, but imagine that an actor getting shamed just because of a role he played. And that's because we live in a homophobic culture. Are his parents responsible for being better? Of course, education's out there and available, but we still live in a culture that socializes people like that and normalizes that, you know, there's still people that are afraid to come out. So, so much work to still do. Uh, but now it is time for question of the night. Today's question of the night is, what's your go-to feel-good meal during the holiday break? 
Mine is donuts, but you know, for me, vegan donuts, because I, I don't support the animal factory industry, it's violence, oppression, I won't put my money in that, so just caveat, anything I talk about food-wise is always plant-based and vegan. Uh, that's my feminism, that's my spirituality, that's my health. Um, but it, donuts is the answer for everything. <laughs> someone's like, had a good day, donut, bad day, donut. Eat donuts as often as possible. Right now we need tons of joy and pleasure. You know what I mean? We have to not worry about weight gain. It's fine if you gain some weight. No one cares. You'll be okay. Move your body with some exercise and uh, focus on some rest and your mental health. Get rid of diet culture that says we have to feel bad about eating sweets or putting weight on. Ooh, sorry, my phone's on. Um, donuts, donuts. But what is your go-to meal during the holiday break? First person said, definitely yams all day. Really yams, huh? <laughs> I like white potatoes, like white mashed potatoes. Sweet potatoes, I like as a pie, but um, not as like in the mashed form. And I know you didn't say that. You didn't, you didn't qualify how you like your yams. You just like them, but that's cool. Someone else said, hands down, mashed potatoes with extra gravy. Thank you. Thank you. I love potato products, especially fresh uh, French fries and waffle fries, mashed potatoes, delicious. The only thing's better, and I said this before, you add some wasabi or garlic to those mashed potatoes, fire. Uh, what's your favorite go-to meal during the holiday? Someone said anything but cranberry sauce, because that's gross. Yeah, poor cranberry sauce. I think because it's so often comes out of a can and they just kind of like flip it over and it's like, <laughs> that like that whole jiggly pile of thud is just not, doesn't look desirable to people. I don't know. I don't think it tastes bad as much as it just doesn't always look great. Anyway, somebody else said, I love my mom's cheesy potatoes. So sad I can't eat that this year. I know, I know, but those cheesy potatoes will be there for you next year. Oh, gosh, you guys are killing me. These potatoes, so good. Someone else said wine and then more wine. <laughs> I know so many different ways we're using cope or so many different coping mechanisms to get through this right now. Somebody else said, I think the leftovers are my favorite part. A turkey sandwich the day after is the best. Leftovers are, I agree, often leftovers are better than the original. There's something about when something sits in the fridge and just continues to like absorb all the, the flavors around it. Um, and that anticipatory excitement of going back and digging into that thing. Gosh. And that's what's great about the holidays is often there, there's so much food that's made that leftovers abound. You, you know, you're eating all week some variation of like what was prepared for the meal. God, it's so good. I know, I know, we're gonna miss it this year, but that's okay. It's okay, it is okay to let a year go by without a party, it's okay to delay your wedding, it's okay to not have your baby shower. We have to be okay without these things in service of what's going on. People are dying, you know what I mean? Like death, death means more, y'all. Somebody else said, my family is weird and we do seafood for the holidays, so I'm gonna miss that crab feet. I, 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 do you know I've never had seafood in my entire life? I grew up in a family where my mom was deathly allergic, so we never had it at home or when we went out to eat. And I went vegan at, I think, 19. So um, I've never eaten seafood. Couldn't tell you. I one time, uh, maybe two times, had tuna fish out of a can. That's all. I have no idea what shrimp tastes like or lobster or crab. No clue. I know the vegans, vegan versions. I know what vegan crab cakes, take, uh, crab cakes taste like. It's made from artichokes. It's delicious. Or some old bay in there. I couldn't tell you if it's like the real things. I've never had it. Seafood smells. I think that's why I can't get past that stench. Anywho, y'all do you. You know what I mean? All right, y'all. Thanks for participating. Question of the Night is back up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. Coming up next, sliding into those DMs. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Oh, right. We're back. Sitting here looking at an article where someone wrote about the uh, negative impacts porn has had on their sense of sex and their body. 
Yeah, that happens. Look, there's nothing wrong with porn. It's a form of media. All media has an impact on us. You, th you think there's no impact on you watching a certain type of body constantly replayed in on the cover of a magazine or in a movie? That's also going to have a negative impact on your body esteem. Let's not single out porn like it's the only media outlet where we see bodies that we don't have. You spend more time watching TVs on your IG and looking at magazines. That has a greater impact. So I'm worried more about the kind of bodies we're normalizing and promoting in those forms of media because people spend hours and hours and hours of the day saturating themselves in that. Like porn always becomes a scapegoat for that. You watch it for a few minutes every now and then, calm down. But luckily there's body positive and queer porn. And I tell everyone, watch feminist porn, watch body diverse porn. Tons of it exists where it's normal bodies. But we should be doing that with all media. All media has an impact on our mental health and our sense of what's desirable or attractive in the world. Like pay attention to all of it. But again, we need to get better with television. You know, that's the main issue. The fashion industry, gym culture, toxic gym cultures everywhere where people are saying, don't put weight on, need to lose weight. Certain foods are bad. Your body needs to look this way. No, it doesn't. Come on, y'all get away from that. But porn isn't especially heinous. It's just as bad as everything else. And everyone should be paying attention to the impact of all these different things on them, you know? All right, y'all, time uh, for DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a 30-year-old lesbian and I want children. God bless it. God bless it. I am half white, half Latina, and I, uh, and I mix black baby? I don't know what that means. My partner's half black, so I've been learning about black culture. Oh, you want to mix black babies? Is that what you're saying? I can't read. You, you have it written weird. My partner's half black, so I've been learning about black culture. Her family's morals, and I've fallen in love. Oh, I love love. <laughs> it's a transformative thing. If we, you know, really do it right. My parents criticize me for wanting to adopt or carry a mixed baby, but I really don't see a problem. Am I wrong? Dear God, no, you're not wrong. I mean, just make sure you're not trying to fetishize or tokenize. You know what I mean? This baby isn't from your race or culture. And I'm glad that, um, what did you say here? That your, your partner, yeah. So your partner's half black, so your partner can better speak to and help raise a child with black confidence. And as they say, black boy and black girl magic and, and, and awareness of culture and, you know, representation. But um, listen, we don't need to make our families happy. Let me just say that. Whether they want you to lose weight, whether they want you to be a certain gender, whether they don't like your sexual orientation or your partner choice, it's okay. We've been raised in a culture where we think we have to make our family happy. You don't. You don't have to make your family happy. Your family doesn't have to like your choices. Your family's job isn't to try to make you live a life that makes sense to them. Your family's job shouldn't be to make you live a life that makes them comfortable. Your family's job is to let you be who you are and to love you for it and to stay out of it. So I'm sorry they've made you feel bad. If you're going to have a child from a race that's not yours, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and you're not trying to be a savior. And I don't see that. And uh, you have to help them find ways to participate in their culture. And, and your partner is part black, so they'll be able to do that. But your family's thoughts on your lifestyle and your choices does not matter. So, and you can set a boundary saying, listen, I understand how you feel. I'm not open to hearing any more about it. And um, we're done. And if they ever bring it up, you can say, I'm going to stop you. I've told you before, I'm not interested in having this discussion. And I don't need to know your thoughts on my decision. You know, case closed. That's called healthy family dynamics, boundaries, you know, understanding what's off limits and what's on limits to talk about. And a lot of people have to do that with going home for the holidays if, if they're still doing that, which everyone's advised against, please do not do that. 
stay the heck home. But for those that are going to go, you're going to have to set those boundaries around access and how much closeness you're going to have to people, demanding that they wear a mask if they're near you. Yeah, all sorts of boundaries have to be set with family members. But families sometimes don't like boundaries. They'd rather mom and dad get to say and do whatever they want and apply pressure from culture or religion. And um, it's toxic. So live your life. All right, y'all, coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about tips for relaxation. Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't even know how to relax very well. So we're going to talk about that as well as to how to talk to your family about the holidays and necessary boundaries. Important stuff. And as always, our question of the night is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. So weigh in on that. And if you got a DM, you can slide it on into our DMs on the Loveline page and uh, it will get answered on air. Y'all, Loveline's at wearechannelq.com. Go post, share, re-listen, binge. Hope you guys are filling your time with self-care, joy, love, and rest. And we'll be back tomorrow. But until then, thanks for hanging out. And you all have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.